Hello, and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Borzio. I'm your other host, Daniel Colburn. And today's episode is brought to you by the 2018 X Games. Oh, and he lands the 720. (laughs) And Stewie Griffin wins again. (sighs) Decal. What's up, bud? How you living? I, uh, so we were just talking about being overgrown. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see the we're unibrow? all very I have we're funny. all very long and shaggy these right. days. It's not like I ever got my unibrow plucked from like a barber or my beard trimmed. Yeah, but for some reason, I can't. Well, when your when your either. hair is unkempt, which is barber business, if we're being honest. Um, when your hair is unkempt, it's just like why not let all the hairs be unkempt? Deco, uh, I imagine what you're saying is proper uh-huh. but i just need to check and make sure that like is unkept a thing i, I said unkempt is unkept a word that you can say i don't know is unkempt like what what is unkempt like disheveled right. okay that that's a legitimate word though right see because that sounds like the smart thing so but i say unkept which there's part of me that thinks maybe unkept is not something and I've just said it my whole life. How to use unkempt slash unkept correctly. Um, unkempt. His hair is dyed dark and comes in a slightly unkempt manner over one side of his head. Versus unkept. The protesters ended their march at home. They said they had been foreclosed on by the bank three years ago and since left occupied and unkept. So unkept means neglected properties usually, um, but unkempt is to describe untrimmable lawns and hedges. Gotcha. Um, well, my head is like an untrimmable lawn and hedge just made of hair. In case you're wondering, kempt is indeed a word meaning tidily kept or neatly combed. Wow. So yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, un- I... I'm unkempt. You, being a property, are unkept. Right. Decal, I want to make sure your levels are all right. You're not peaking, are you? I don't think I'm peaking. You have like a monitor to find that out, right? Yeah, I have a I have a monitor. I I don't think I'm peaking, but okay. I am a little close on the mic. Maybe I, my like headphones are up. I don't know. Mm. Getting some loudness, but that's all right. It's good to be loud. It's great to be loud if you can pull it off. It's a tough time to be a boy. Ah, uh, for sure. If you ask me, <laughs> Decal. What's up, bud? Um, I, have no, I don't get. I don't get the reference. No, there is no real reference. It's not. This isn't a case of the. See, this this isn't like last week because you didn't laugh or anything. You weren't like, oh yeah, it is. I see. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. No, I just let it live. You just let it live, and that's okay. Well, and that's because I was. That's because I was chastised for pretending to get the <laughs> reference last time, and so. So now you're on high alert. My hand still smarts a little bit from that smack. Um. It, it's, I. I. Uh, I intended to just let it die, but you'd get a kick out of it. The Boy Scout, like Christian Service Brigade thing uh-huh. that I worked for, uh-huh. that you once attended. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> they There was this pamphlet, I like managed the warehouse, and there was this sure. pamphlet called It's a Bad Time to Be a Boy, and it had like a sad boy with a backwards hat on a skateboard. Oh, man. And <laughs> All we it's have is skateboarding now. <laughs> When my dad was a kid, I could go to war. 
<laughs> no, I just play in pop shuffets. <laughs> oh man. I just uh, love the pamphlet so much. My wife and I reference it all the time. Anytime anybody says it's a bad time, it's a bad time to be a boy. I always bad say Bad time it. to be a boy. It's a bad time to be a boy, man. It's rough out there. I wish I was a girl. Oh. So much easier. Caleb. Getting raised. Last episode, uh, I'm sure I filled you in somewhat on my plumbing situation, right? Yeah. You ate um, one of those tacos in a bag thing. That's how it all that's, started. That's not how it started. <laughs> no. um, but- at that point, we had had a plumbing backup, soaked our carpet with poo-poo water, mm-hmm. <laughs> ripped out our carpet, and then replaced our carpet mostly with vinyl plank flooring. Yeah. That's the state that we were in one week ago. Okay. In the past week, the clog which we had removed came back. Okay. We were terrified that our home was effed mm. um, because we thought that the main line was, you familiar with the concept of the Orangeburg pipe? No. Orangeburg pipe is a type of piping that they used to use for sewer lines a long time ago. Guess what it is? It's paper. It's made of paper. Okay. It's tar paper just rolled in layers and layers and layers and layers of tar paper. It's like a paper straw for your poop. Mm. Um, and it's not... Like a sauna tube type thing. Like yeah, one, but it, you pour concrete in. But inevitably, like, but inevitably, it breaks down. Sure. Right? Because it's made of paper. Yeah. Um, so anyway... Eco-friendly sewage. All sewer. of these houses had Orangeburg pipe at one point or another. Uh-huh. And we were just convinced that the Orangeburg pipe had collapsed and that we were going to have to dig out the seven foot buried oh my gosh. main line in our front yard that's yeah. under a giant maple tree. Yeah. And, you know, it was going to be a disaster. Where you buried. Uh, turns out patches. that's not what happened. It turns out the first plumber didn't clear the thing. And we got a second guy out here with a with a camera and uh-huh. he ran it oh, down there yeah. and was like, Oh, yeah, he didn't do the thing. Got it out. Second of all, at some point, the lady who owned this house before us put in PVC, which is great. Love mm-hmm. her. Thanks, Gail. Oh, um, and thirdly, while he was doing all of this, he broke the other toilet. Um, <laughs> he, he sent a snake. He thought he was sending a snake out the sewer line. Mm-hmm. Whoopsie doopsie sent the snake up a toilet. Mm, classic. Whips was around. Was someone on the toilet at No, the time. thank God. <laughs> The snake um, went too far. That would have far. been exhilarating, though. Out um, Harry's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, uh, he uh, he broke our toilet, and then he came back How the next day and gave us a new toilet. Can come into the toilet while well, you're... this wasn't the camera. This was the actual snake that he was clearing. Okay, okay, with. okay. Go on, yeah. But yeah, that's all. He it was just it's just a series of events. Over oh here. man, plumbing man. It never the wheel on this guy keeps on turning, Caleb. You know, plumbing is so annoying because it's all it's all um, like reverse engineering the problem by observing its effects, you know, which is kind of yep. fun. But oh, it's yeah. also... But it's very high stakes. It is high stakes. Because yeah. Because it's like, okay, well, like, there's two of us in this house. I've got to reverse engineer this problem before one of us needs to do a duty. <laughs> 
do or the else dude. we're going yeah down. it's usually pretty urgent yeah. my uh father-in-law the last weekend he uh his whole yard was flooded and Oof. so we were just talking about like what it could be which is very fun because like neither oh, of us yeah. know anything yeah, yeah but, but you just sit around and speculate. But yeah you just but like we're both it's fun because it's like we're not we're not smart about anything like that so i can't really you know i i don't know that much about plumbing so i can't really talk about things that people know but we're also like he's a math he he's a math guy and i'm yeah. like a computer guy so we can sit there and talk about it like a math problem or something be like okay yeah. so the water what could is it be here. what yeah, are the exactly. variables what, are all what could it, change so, yes we basically like drew this big tree of like with all our different mental models of what the system could be and what the effects would be and then triangulate what it anyway so we rent a snake we first we'd like dig up the yard in the rain like 35 degrees then we get a snake long story short we worked for a long time and the next day he realized there was like basically we didn't have to do any of it and there was this thing we missed like a cap we missed in the front lawn that like we could have mm. just opened and like reached our hand in and cleared it out <laughs> anyway nice. like a, like a clean out yeah. yeah yeah right well we were working in a different clean out i guess there's two clean outs was it were you in the one by the street no we were in the other one i didn't know there was one by the street i even mm-hmm. looked and I didn't see it, but the grass so, was over it. One of the things I learned. So I've been telling every plumber that came in here, we only have one clean out mm-hmm. and it's the one by the street. There should be one by the house. And this whole thing would be much easier if there was one by the house, but we don't have one by the house. Mm-hmm. Turns out when we ran the camera through, there is a clean out going up near the house and we can't find it. It must be buried. They must have buried it in landscaping oh, at some point. So there is another clean out. Yeah. And I now I just want to find it. And I don't know how to do that. Oh, um, yeah. Like, how well, would you do that? I would start with where the clean out is near the road. Yep. And if it's anything like, like houses around here, it's, well, your house isn't as grid-like, but I would guess that it would just be perpendicular to your house and the road. Uh-huh. So you could just like, make like a 90 degree angle from the road well i know that the find where the clean out is doesn't turn after it leaves the house Mm -hmm. right so i could get into the crawl space and see what direction it's going oh well there you go there d cole yeah and then then, you like mark that you like drop a pin on your phone and then walk it i'm just joking i just josh with you use a laser jangle your jingle Stick a laser pointer out the out the little grid in the oh, side of the laser. crawl space. A freaking make laser. A line. That's a good idea. I need a laser pointer. Yeah, if you don't have a laser, I don't have a laser pointer. Man, it's you ever be a see big that day for Amazon today? This is. I'm gonna roll the dice and see if you had this similar experience because you were also sure. a, a young geek. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that thing on like? Oh, was it like, I'm trying to think of the website because you would know this website. But there was this thing where you could like attach the output of of an audio feed, like a headphone jack or something, and like alligator clip on that wire onto like a laser pointer. Whoa. And also like power the laser pointer and then take a photo cell, you know, one of those like variable resistors that react to light. Sure. Stick it at the other end and like pipe that to an amplifier and like transfer audio by laser pointer with a like a cheap laser pointer that's cool i tried it and it didn't work it might just Mm. been like an april fool's joke 
I mean, it could work in theory. Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of makes sense. So I did try it and it did not work. But uh, So I'm sure you at some point like looked into pirate radio, like the concept of pirate radio. No. Are you aware of pirate radio? No. Okay. Pirate radio is like, so, you know, there's only so much like radio frequency spectrum that exists. Yeah. Right? And so the FCC regulates it in America. There's different international and national bodies that regulate yeah. what you're allowed to do on what spectrum. Mm-hmm. And the reason that certain radio stations are at certain frequencies is basically that they registered that frequency with the FCC. They paid a bunch of fees and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But you can just run a radio station on any frequency you want if you have the equipment. Hell yeah. I mean, most people the used FCC to do will, it in their car. The FCC will come and bust you. FM transmitters. Um, right, right. People do it for the Christmas lights. Right, and so there's like FCC regulations on how powerful those can be. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, pirate radio is basically like running unauthorized sort of powerful radio stations. Cool. Um, and there's, you know, a long history of it specifically in the UK. Um, so during the 60s, there were, they were like, uh, broadcasting pirate radio off of these like offshore ships that were in technically in international waters Mm. there's like wild wild stories about pirate radio that's cool anyway thank you um what's cool now is like it's still going on in the uk like a lot of like underground uh hip-hop and underground uh, like edm music is getting played on pirate radio that can't get played on real radio Mm mm-hmm um, and I think at this point, internet streaming has mostly taken over that. But like as recently as like the last 10 years, like pirate radio has been like a pretty big thing in the UK. Hmm. And the way a lot of it works is they'll go up in these giant sort of like high rise buildings and they'll set up these transmitters, but they don't want the transmitters to be tied to their actual location. Mm-hmm. And so they'll use, they'll set up like microwave arrays um that are aimed like across at the next building Mm -hmm. and then they'll broadcast like through that microwave array so that if the cops come and seize the transmitter they can't easily reverse engineer who was broadcasting to it oh interesting so they use like they use they use a different like wireless transmission system to communicate with the FM transmitter or the you know radio transmitter right exactly gotcha so they can they don't want to have a wire field yeah they don't want to have a wire going from the transmitter to like their secret headquarters of their (laughs) radio station right yeah um so what they do is they have basically a satellite dish pointed at the side of a giant apartment building Mm -hmm. and it could be any apartment in that building yeah that's broadcasting right and so it's it's pretty cool yeah that's pretty sweet Pretty sweet. It's uh, pretty cool. I One of the things that consistently provides me with fascination is the fact that um, m- microwave is like the same stuff that light is. Oh, yeah. Like that's just one of those things that you learn in like early science class, but it still blows my mind and it's still just like fun to think about mm-hmm. that like my eyes are just receptors for a certain like set of frequencies. Mm-hmm. And my microwave is no different. My eyes just aren't like good at receiving those waves. Yeah. Pretty wild. My eyes are microwaves. 
Pretty wild, my bros. Pretty wild stuff. Pretty wild. Um, well, your eyes could receive microwaves, but they would... Right, they but would they cook. haven't been like evolved to not cook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Deke. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, I I feel like I should give a fly fishing update for Justin Jackson. Sure. Um, I've been doing a lot of fly fishing. Good. Just want you to I, know that. I'd expect nothing less. The weather is stunning. Yeah, it's been. Uh, well, I assume 30 it's stunning degrees up there. And hailing. Oh really? And terrible wind. Yeah, the other day I went out. When I'm sorry. The worse it is, the more I'm like, yes, no one's going to be out. I, uh, I can it's weather been the like, storm. It's been like high 50s, low 60s. Really? Uh, over to low 70s, like the last week here. No, it's, it's yeah, it's been absolutely terrible. But uh, yeah, the Oof. other day I went out and it was like such high winds. I, I was like almost getting knocked over in my waders in the stream and just sideways wind and hail. But I like bundled up and I had a big like, furry hat face thing on and uh anyway i could barely cast but uh but i did manage to catch a tiny trout so there you go you know it makes it all worth it my neighbor uh Junebug, let me know that uh so he is cherokee and so he has access to there's a big cherokee reservation here in cherokee mm-hmm. north carolina mm-hmm. um so he has access to like special fishing waters nice um and he was telling me a story about one time when he was up there fishing and he caught like 38 trout or something. Wow. And then uh, some guys who weren't Indian like came up and were fishing there and he like tried to tell them, he was like, you guys can't be fishing here. Like you got to go down past the bridge. Mm -hmm. You can fish down there. You can't fish up here. And they're like, oh, we're just going to keep fishing. And then his cousin who was the game warden rolled up and arrested him and or, or not arrested him, but find him, wrote him a ticket. And uh, he was like, I tried to tell him. <laughs> Wait, I don't understand. I think I missed a key piece. Junebug does have a right to be there. Junebug does. Yeah. And he's uh, the one who got in trouble? He he did not get in trouble. Right. Okay. The other guys, the other guys got guys in did. trouble. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we have, I'm about 20 minutes from a reservation. And uh, yeah, you can, fi- you can buy a license there. You have to buy a separate fishing license. Hmm. But they have really good steelhead fishing. They have like a really hot spot uh, on a nice. the cat, Cataraugus Creek. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy because it's like a world-renowned fishery for for lake-run steelhead. The, uh-huh. Like pick up your average fly fishing podcast and like the one or two that are really popular and there'll be episodes where like the cat is talked about and it's hmm. 20 minutes from my house. And I never knew that it was like this destination at all. Um, huh. So, yeah. Who knew? Wild. Western New York. You wouldn't picture it. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. No. You picture Wild. more like uh, old abandoned grain silos and rusty steel plants. Yeah. But. Uh, I would think Vermont. For what? If I was just going to say, like, if someone was like, where is the best fly fishing in the country? Yeah. Yeah, I guess Vermont, and then Colorado or something. Right, Montana, I think would probably be Montana, Washington, Colorado. Those are like mm, Idaho. Nothing's going on in Idaho. Idaho, some, is... probably some dope. Oh fishing. hell yeah, yeah. There's a, a, a Laravel ecosystem buddy of mine, Austin Cameron. You ever heard of that guy? 
No. Dope guy. Super cool guy. He just sent me like all these trout pictures from the last two weeks of him fly fishing in Montana. He lives in Mont. He's living the dream. Making me drool. Mm. Mm. D. Cole, I, I'll get past this last um, thing that only I want to talk about. Um, not tying. I'm really into not tying. Well, and I've, Why would you think that only you want to talk about well, this? Well, it's like, it's, it's the last thing on my like agenda you. in my head yeah. right now that's like, uh-huh. this is a me thing. It's not an us thing. It's like, you could just be bored while I talk about not tying. But Sure, sure, sure. I'll like put it out. I'll throw it out there. It's like, I just want to say, mm-hmm. like, I've been doing a lot of not tying. And I love not tying. I've always loved not tying. I love not tying, but I love it differently than most people who love not tying. Okay. I don't love to learn knots. Okay. I I love like improvisational on the fly not tying. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's I think there's something fun to me. Oh, because, really? Well, it's, I want to hear why it's fun for you. It's not fun for me because most of the time I'm fumbling around or like most of the time it's like if you don't know a knot, tie a lot. So if I don't. And I'm always appalled at how many knots I have to tie to get something to hold. Like, let's say previous, like before I really got into knots and I needed to tie something down like a boat to like a tree or something. Sure. And it's just stupid how many knots I have to tie to feel confident that, you know, it's going to hold. Um, And it's just overhand knots over and over again, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So here's the thing, right? It's like a given knot, like. Like when you learn knots, they're like, oh, like these knots have certain characteristics, yeah, right? Uh-huh. So like you learn some knots that are good for tying a rope to another rope, right? Yep. You learn some knots that are, are called good for bends. T- yeah. <laughs> you learn some knots that are good for like tying around something. Hitches. Um, but you don't want it to sh- to tighten, yep. to cinch, right? Yeah. But then no, you have I'm other binding. knots where you do want it to cinch, binding. right? Yes. So there's all these different characteristics of knots, yes, right? Yes, sir. And you kind of learn what causes those different characteristics. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so what's cool is like every knot is just made out of a bunch of little movements and a bunch of little points of friction in rope. Yeah. And so it's fun to approach a problem and be like, okay, well, what characteristics do I need a knot to have to serve yeah. the purpose that it needs to serve? Right? Yeah. Okay. And then be like, okay, well, like what? what makes those characteristics happen what kind of friction is good what kind of friction is bad Mm -hmm. you know like where do i need to be here to stop it from cinching okay well if if i just put like a straight line through another loop it's gonna cinch right Mm -hmm. so i need to like twist or curve the one that would slide Mm. so that it doesn't slide to add friction you know interesting yeah i like to break down a knot into its essential components that's pretty cool i i mean and and i'm sure that if i learned the official knots like and i know a couple right but if I learned you got the, the pretzel es- knot, uh, yeah, I know how to tie you got that. Got the bunny ears. Uh, I don't remember. I learned all these things when I was a kid. It's, and I don't, it's like I don't shoe know. tying. I was just being okay. a dick. I learned it. I learned this. Uh, there was a Hardy Boys book that mm-hmm. had a bunch of knots in it. I learned yeah. them from that. Um, Go on. Anyway, uh, I'm sure if I learned the knots, they're probably like the most efficient usage of rope to get the best right. hold yes. for this purpose yeah but i kind of am just like well i don't need to be that efficient i don't care yeah like i want to like i want to f- understand the knot not just mm. like learn and repeat the knot yeah that um that's pretty interesting i share a lot of the same ideals like mm-hmm. i love breaking down knots i love 
you know what knots are composed of and and really like most it's knots, rope mostly it's rope mostly it's rope <laughs> most sometimes, sometimes it's fishing line <laughs> oh are you becoming that guy are you be- are you becoming a fly tire are you tie and fly uh my vice is coming on wednesday so not yet oh my god soon um so i i do love deconstructing you know knots and not theory and th- not like real like there's actual knot theory like a mathematic like discipline like if you google like knot theory you don't it's not like things that knots have at their core it's like math equations sure similar to game theory where you think you're sure. gonna figure out how to make a good board game but it's just poor math <laughs> right <laughs> anyway um not tying so i agree with you but when i like if i just had a rope and i had no knot knowledge i would uh no not is not a double negative i'm saying no cannot mm-hmm. if i had no cannot knowledge i don't think i would be smart enough or creative enough to translate like okay i need this to not bind now what do i do i don't think i would be able to do that so i'm impressed like i feel the same way as you except well, i don't feel capable of improvising no not knowledge right it's like i know are you saying no not no cannot no cannot. it's not that i have no cannot knowledge right right it's just that i don't remember how to tie them i just remember yeah. that there are categories okay. of knots for specific purposes right so that is already i have the knowledge that it's like yeah there are times when you need something to bind and times when you need something to not bind mm-hmm. and i'm smart enough to know knowing that those are the two categories of knots mm-hmm. uh for whatever a loop you call it a hitch Oh, uh, depends. What to... uh, so a hitch is not binding, but around something. Um, I don't know if that's the classification. A hitch is is a knot when when you tie a rope to a thing, it's a hitch. Okay. A loop um, is when it doesn't like tighten down on that thing. Okay. Binding is when you when it like the harder you pull, you can get to a point the of no return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where you can't untie the knot. Yep. Most good knots have like an easy escape hatch type deal. You know. Um. So yeah, anyway, um, knowing that those are those categories, I can be like, okay, well, I'm tying a Christmas tree to a roof rack of a Subaru. Mm -hmm. Like, what not, like, what are my performance characteristics here? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, one of the, uh, like, I want to go really deep into knots and I want to become like a knot teacher and blogger Mm -hmm. and knot refactorer. Um, Like a a knot refactor. Like a knot. A knot refactor. Yeah, like refactoring knots. And I want to be a not thought leader, but uh, I think the demand <laughs> isn't <leader>. there. <laughs> um, I did just order Ashley's book of knots. It's like the canonical knot book. It's the Erdenays of knots. It is. It's forever old. It's a big the textbook. Expert, the expert at the card table of knots. It's the refactoring of knots. Like each knot has a number and every knot book since this knot book uh-huh. references the Ashley number. Really? Yep. It's, a, the it's Ashley number. Which is it's like index, like yeah, it's it's like it's, not it's, index. It's like it's it's UUID. Yeah, it's it's like uh, you know, it's like a permalink for that knot. It's like it's referencing like the Pentel colors or something. Right. Well, what are other examples of something like this? Like an early innovator, like sets the standard for. I mean, Erdnase is a great example. Yeah, I'm trying to um, think. There, I, I mean, feel like the Pentel. I don't know what that is. Colors. Or the Pantone, Pantone, Pantone sorry, Pan- Pentel is Pantes? a marker company. Um, Pantone, the Pantone color yeah. books. Mm-hmm. Or like, 
when you want to reference a color correctly, you yeah. reference it by that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Refactoring is kind of like that, that book, but I don't know. People like people refer to the names like this is pull up method. Right, know, right. This is yeah, or the code smells, whatever. Yeah, so anyway, knot tying is a uh, it's a rush deco. Here's here's my la- here's something I want to communicate to you. Mm-hmm. I've like I said, I've been in a knot tying for a while. I love just having like strings of uh, paracord around, you know, and just yep. playing with them. Like it's a very fun mm-hmm. thing to just play with. Sure. And um uh but you know, you there's this point where like you're just doing it for fun. Like there's a couple you, you realize that really all you need is like two or three knots to be effective mm-hmm. in most situations. Mm-hmm. But now getting into fishing with fishing line, like you know, every knot has like a rating for how it how it reduces the strength of the cord, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if you tie two five pound test things together, now it's like one pound test. You know what I mean? Like Really? Well, it depends on the type of knot. That's that's uh-huh. like one of the big characteristics of knots is how um how does it decrease the strength of the rope, you know? Interesting. Yeah. It's a big thing in climbing knots. You have to like use the right knots so that you don't really, really decrease the the strength of your rope. So but normally it's just like fun to learn about that stuff, but it's not tangible. Uh-huh. But with fishing knots, especially trout fishing, tiny, tiny freaking fishing line, like two pound test fishing line, like thinner than any fishing line you've probably worked with and tying knots, like tying them together and stuff. I've worked with very little fishing line. Okay. <laughs> very My thin time. fishing line? No, no. the, the Like the, short. The, Mm-mm. No. The, okay. <laughs> the, the amount of fishing line with which I have worked, <laughs> you wouldn't be impressed. Okay. And not line for fishing for small fish, not little fishing line. Sorry, cannot fishing? Can never fishing. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm so close to being done with this this thing here. With small fishing line, it matters a ton to not reduce the strength of that. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like finally getting to apply all this good knot theory. Nice. I'm done. I'm done. Well, I'm happy for you, bud. Thanks, Decole. Um, Maybe, you know, if I remember... A week from now when I'm publishing this episode, I'll make a, a knot diagram from Ashley's Knots, the album artwork for this you section. Should. And you should if just I remember. grab a piece of paracord and tie a couple knots, Decole. What you I think, think I got it. Do you think I just got paracord? I do. You have to have paracord. Mm-mm. You don't have paracord. No, I mean I have rope. Okay, grab a piece of rope. But I'm surprised you don't have paracord. That to me is What, what surprises you about that? It's just such a cool thing to have. It's like you probably have a pocket knife around. Yeah, I've got several, yeah. You should have paracord. It's like... Well, but I cut things Do you have all a Zippo? Uh, yeah, we have a few in this house. Then you have paracord. It's like the basics of cool shit. Well, you know no, I mean? but I don't have paracord. That's what I'm telling you. Oh, I'm just saying. Just it's because like a I have a knife and a Zippo doesn't, doesn't mean I have paracord. It's like... The things that you just have an inner burning desire to own. Yeah. Well, and and I mean, that's one of the reasons that I'll never reach a point where like there isn't a pack of Marlboro Reds in this house, even when I'm not like smoking Marlboro Reds. There's always Marlboro Reds in this house. Really? Even like if you, do you smoke cigs often? uh, Since quarantine has been going on, I've smoked a cig here and there. Yeah. Like probably two a week. I'm surprised you know? that you would be able, like you, you picture a future where you completely quit cigs, but you can handle having a pack well, I mean, of house. Before this, it had been six months since I had a cigarette probably. Yeah. But there's still two packs of Marble Reds in the house just in case. 
Yeah, okay. You, you got to have them around. Because, like, sometimes <laughs> you have a friend over, they need a cigarette. Yeah. Uh, sometimes just it really hits the fan and you need to go have a cigarette and deal with it. Yeah. Sometimes someone's having a crisis and you're like, here, come on, let's go smoke a cigarette. You know, right. you settle them down. It's important to have. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I have a theory that um, like e-cigs are way more addictive i one i believe i think they're more addictive yeah yeah like i feel like there's going to be a generation of people who can't kick e-cigs in the worst way i don't think that's true though because i think no i think the the step down is easier okay yeah you You regulate how much nicotine is in them here's a hole in the plot though as far unless you you do your own e-cig thing which is pretty popular and that's totally possible there are no non-nicotine e-cigs over the counter like at a gas station and that is so yeah i think the i think the like jewel pod yeah type of systems are really bad um because they don't actually like jewel specifically Mm -hmm. like they don't make a version that has a small amount of nicotine in it right right yeah it's like five percent minimum and their competitors their next is 2.4 percent yeah, their two pods are both extremely high nicotine. Yes. Like, I vape all the time, and, like, I left my vape on a plane when I was coming back from Philly. And so I grabbed a Juul because I had, like, a long drive from Greenville to Asheville. And you got lifted. Airport. Dude, I got a Juul, and I was, like, buzzing yeah, hard in my driver's seat. Because, like, I vape all the time. They're but intense. Like, I vape this uh, three milligrams per milliliter. Or point sorry point oh three milligrams per milliliter mm-hmm. um of nicotine, which is like very very light. Like if it wasn't this juice, I would have to go to zero because they don't make yeah. anything between this yeah. and zero. Right. Um. So I I vape so little nicotine at this point, and that thing just like buzzed my brain off. Yeah. Right. So I think it's really and I mean Pulsing it makes sense because veins. they don't want to sell you a little bit of nicotine. They want you to keep buying their product. Right. But I think it's really irresponsible. I think like there should be legislation that says like you have to have you ha- yeah step downs to zero. Right. I agree. You know. It's a huge I think people hooked on those things. It's rough. Like I yeah, mean Yeah, I mean the good news is that uh they are not worse for you than cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. And people are getting hooked on cigarettes. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it, so I think it's the, the better cool for thing the world for people to be hooked on those than it is for them to be hooked on cigarettes. The cool thing, speaking from experience, is that mm-hmm. you could get into those e-cigs and not even want a cigarette. Be yeah. like grossed out by the thought of a cigarette, yeah. having been completely addicted to cigarettes. And then, but now you want those so bad that like, mm-hmm. and there's no step down that it's yeah. it's like all or nothing and you just dream of that uh that rush that yeah and then jewel, jewel is rush. notorious for suing people who make refillable cartridges that are compatible with mm. their devices yeah um because if you have refillable cartridges for those you could step it down yourself right um but you can't that would be so, what's up because i mean that's some hot tech Here's here's my little uh, shout out to all the people. Anybody out there who's like on the jewel train and is like riding it hard, but like wants to start stepping it down, go get the Zero Pod System Z E R O. It's a 
pod system, very similar to the Jewel, small in your hand, recharge it with a USB type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's refillable. You can get new pods. You can fill it with your own juice. You can get different flavors. You can do whatever you want. Mm. And then that way you can step it down yourself. That's what my wife uses. It's very chill. Um, catch me up on that. I blanked out. They it It is a system for the Jewel E-Sigs or it's just an alternative? No, it's an alternative. Gotcha. Um, but it's, it's not over the counter. Gotcha. Right? Okay. So you're going to get into the world of like having to own a bottle of juice. Right. But, but what, like, what's the virtue that it's not like some massive like geeky brick thing? Yeah. It, so it's a very clean, small yeah. thing, like the size of a cigarette lighter. By geeky, I meant badass. I didn't mean yeah, to yeah. offend. It's like the size of a cigarette lighter. It's very sexy. Yeah. And it's it's got the same thing as the jewels where like there's no buttons on it. Like you don't need to turn it on. Yeah. Or turn it off or press a button when you right. want to take a hit. It's just like the jewel where it's like airflow. Yeah triggers the battery to turn on Mm -hmm. and so it's very simple very foolproof and nice that's cool yeah there's a uh there was at one point a promotion in my area for this competitor to jewel called view or something Mm -hmm. with a v yeah that one's owned by philip morris i think okay and there was this there's this thing where you the you know the the device itself costs 99 cents Sure. And then the pods are like 15 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a mandate of like buying both together. Maybe there is. It seems like there would have to be. But let's just mm-hmm. say there's not. I was like, I should buy like a hundred of these. And I'd probably have like more than a hundred dollars worth of tech, you know, yeah, at yeah, least yeah. worth of tech, if not just worth of battery power. It's like, what if I could daisy chain these and make a like a scooter? out of like these dollar e-cig things you know because they're it's like a pretty badass little device i'm like what i mean what could i i'm if i spend a dollar i can now have a thing that charges from my usb port that i can use like what could i do with that probably like two and a half to five volts low amperage i could have a little led light little book light do anything man man, world's your possibilities Huh. Well, I think the tech, the most interesting tech is the tech that converts breath into a switch. You think so? I mean, it's cool. How does it work? I bet it. it's just like, like uh, pulls two leads together or something like simple. Yeah. So it's like low air pressure in this side yeah, makes in something chamber. move over, which then is like a copper contact. Yeah, or something. exactly. Yeah. I'd be interested to see a diagram of it, though. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It is pretty cool. Yeah, man. E-cigs. 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 This episode Welcome is brought to, the, to you by... <laughs> Welcome to No Place to Purchase, the number one e-cig <laughs> and fly fishing and knot tying podcast. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, in these episodes where we make it so far without talking about code, it feels like wrong to, to talk about code. Yeah. It feels like it would be a betrayal. Right. Like you made it this far. We would just be letting you down if we, you know, switch to programming. Although I do think it's important for us to set a precedent that there could be programming talk after all of this non-programming talk. That's true. So that people don't just stop listening. So maybe we should do a little programming talk just to set precedent. Um, I mean, I always have a million things. I'm sure you have some things. I, uh, I mean, there's... There's some really some pretty cool things in. We already talked about the cool Alpine things, but there's some cool Livewire things that have been kind of coming up. 
yep. across my planet. Oh, I saw you guys at Inbox Zero. Yes. With your pull requests. Yeah. Saw yep. your tweet. Um, well, here's here's like a workflow thing. So the current close things, Close all the pull requests and say no plans to merge. Yeah, that's how I got <laughs> to Inbox get, Zero. You get to Inbox Zero. No, I suck at closing pull requests. I'm such a Have softie. Have you ever said no plans to merge on someone's pull request I don't yet? think so. I should. You have to at some point. I know, I should. But it's got to be on like a friend of ours pull request. No, that wouldn't be in the right spirit. It needs to be at someone who really like put the time in and doesn't know who I am. <laughs> it needs to be someone, someone a helper who really method. looks up to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, Deco, I got a lot on my plate at the moment. I got yeah. this VS Code email thing. I got Livewire. I got Alpine. I got I got stuff. I got Laracast stuff. Email thing. Yeah, you know the VS Code course. Oh, oh, right, yeah, right, yeah. VS Code email thing. Yeah, so I got... In my head, I was like, are you building like an email client inside of a VS Code plugin? What are you talking no. about, VS Code email <laughs> thing? Um, but uh, so I've realized that the only way, the, the way to get me to do something is to have like... Okay, here's the thing. I had an epiphany the other night. We are all... Epiphany. You live and you work, you work in a muddy daze. Like, I'm guessing. I think some people are really good at working. Sure. But I'm guessing that you, like me, you're not... Here's what it is. Work has a rhythm. Let's just look at the day, the cadence of a day. You mm-hmm. start off up here towards mm-hmm. the surface, the, the surface of non-deep work, where you're communicating, mm-hmm. you're on Slack, you're on Twitter, you're waking up, you're drinking coffee. Sure. Then you start, like, climbing down the hill, like, you know, swimming down to get to, like, a problem to solve, like, sure. doing your work. Then there's like lunch and bullshit meetings where you kind of come up for a bit Mm -hmm. and you kind of hang out halfway or three quarters of the way up for a while. Yep. And then it's like the end half of the day and you're like, I got to kind of dive down to like do some more. And so you you dive back down and then you come back up for the end of the day. We're like, oh, it's the end of the day. I can just bullshit and like go on Twitter. Okay. Does this match your experience in work? I think my schedule is a little different than yours, but yeah, basically. But you generally work for like six to eight hours a day, right? Right. Now you have a boss what I'm who listens is, to this, so I don't want to like... No, 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 no. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is like... Well, it's more like my four, deep, but... Uh, my deepest work, I feel like, starts around 4 p.m. That's when I enter my mm. like best hour. Okay, yeah. And then like 4 to 7 p.m. is like my best time of the day. Yeah. Uh, and it's because I've grown accustomed to working with people who get off at 5 yeah, that's pretty great. And so they start entering their like bullshit look at Twitter around four. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's kind of starting to fade out for the day. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I got three more hours. Like this is my time where I can be like unbothered. I've spent the whole day clearing my blockers, answering all of the slacks, yeah. talking to everybody, getting some programming done, but like really making sure that in my best hours, I'll be at my best. Yeah you know that's pretty interesting i because i mean my best work i basically don't do really high quality work unless it's a weekend or an evening like yeah, that's, like what the, I'm saying, that's when i have it's, the transcendence type work you know well and it, it really i i strongly believe this there is the best work happens when no one is around yeah you know like people just need to fuck off for me to really get stuff done and quarantine or coronavirus like my wife is not working she's around and so like there's also an aspect of like 
her energy level throughout the day is important to mine now. Yeah. Yeah. Because if she pops in at four uh, four thirty and is like it's kind of near the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, and she's like, Hey, like, you know, let me tell you a story, or like I need to email someone about this utility bill or whatever, yeah, you know. Yeah. All of a sudden I'm not I'm not in deep work anymore. Right. You know, so I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, that definitely has changed things for sure. I mean, Hannah works from home and I like our life has almost not changed at all. The only difference is that she's always running around doing stuff all the time while I'm like working or I'm just more of uh, like uh, I don't do as many things as she does with like, sure. I don't have like lunch dates. Like, well, that's that's not that's normally true for me too. Except now she doesn't do any do that many things, right? There's so nothing that, to do. that's the difference, right? So yeah. she's she's here twenty four seven, which is a complete drag. Like it is just really wearing on our relationship in a big way. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So right. So 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 that cadence of work, like I don't know. This is one of those things that late at night you think is an epiphany, and it might not be as much of an epiphany, but. I realized you said, that you said we're all working in a muddy days. Yeah. Like and then you uh, went into a parenthetical well, about the cadence of work. So there's the cadence of work in a day and then there's a week cadence. Like the same kind of like pattern applies on a week level loosely, at least for me. Like, sure. like Monday's a little bit more like catch up and hang around the surface than Tuesday. And Thursday is deeper than Friday. You know what I mean? It's like, there's still kind of this either U or W pattern of like going down. You know what I mean? Sure. And then in a month, on a month basis, it's not as much like that. Um, it's not like that at all. But anyway, so I kind of realized that there's this frequency of like deep and shallow work. And I realized that this is almost unrelated, but it was just because I was mapping out the things I do every day and looking at it for once and realizing like where all the work fits into what slots and how basically the 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 thing about getting work done is not about doing work. This is, I sound like a like James Clear or something. It's about setting up your environment for the work to be done. Like I'm realizing that the work that I do has nothing to do with me doing the work. It has everything to do with the way I set up my life to get the work done. You know what I mean? I just clean my office. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, cleaning an office, that's one that this is like a meta example because you could apply the same principle to the reason that you might not clean your office unless you you know, invite your friends over to look at your office, then your office is going to get clean. So that is normally the case, right? That's when I clean my office most of the time. Right. Except that the other day I was frustrated by uh, getting blocked on a task or something. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, just like spun out on it where I was just like, oh, and then I can't do this because I need, it depends on this. And I can't do this because it depends Mm -hmm. on this. Mm -hmm. And I just like stress cleaned my office. Hmm. Because I was like, there's no way I'm going to like calm down and focus well mm-hmm. until like this is dealt with. So I just like cleaned up my office. Nice. It's pretty good. Pretty good over here now. Yeah. It, do- it makes a huge difference for oh, sure. Giant. I feel I like, there's... I feel like a, a professional creative right now. Yeah. It is so important. When we got back from Florida, I we didn't bring anything in from the car until everything in the house was clean and we had donated like all the stuff that we didn't use for the two months we were in florida so we waited a day you to are, you're a car. strange family <laughs> you do weird stuff as a family because <laughs> we're like we're both a little wired did you come up with this on the drive home no this was like 
kind of getting out of the car we kind of realized this but did you talk about it or what did it just happen we talked about it it was a you point. talked about it. yeah so how does that conversation go you know we're both we're both easily triggered when it comes to like life improvement and like getting a hold of your life i don't know sure no i know but okay isn't who, that what who brought you brought it up i don't know no, 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 no. i don't I want to know like you don't remember no we're, it's something we both easily could have like came to on our own probably and so, like how would you pitch that right so say me and you are roommates okay, right okay and we're coming back from a big road trip to laracon yeah right and we've got there's all kinds of nonsense in the car we got microphones and keyboards yeah and, yeah yeah and all this stuff right and you're like hey homie uh let's not unpack the car until we've donated half the things we own and I'm like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> like, that's so just not I, something anyone would ever no, suggest in my world. Okay, so me and you were driving back from our two-month Laracon mm-hmm. tour around the country. Sure. We come back, and Charlotte and Hannah are in the car. It's important to mm-hmm. the story. Sure. And we get home, and uh, we all live together. Duplex, sure, yeah. not a yeah. religion thing. Yeah. And we come home, and we go, wait a minute. Okay. We just lived for two months on the stuff that's in our car. Do you feel like you missed out on anything that's in that house? No, not really. Do you? No. Then why don't we take this opportunity to use this momentum and make an impact? Why don't we, and to make it even more ceremonious, we'll leave everything in the car until we've prepared the way truly. Then we can bring the things in. Because otherwise, it'll just be good intentions, and then it'll fade. You're you're an interesting man, Caleb. You you don't see like if I said that on this road trip, you wouldn't be jazzed. You wouldn't be like, I'm in, man. I just can't imagine. I it's been a decade since I had the type of road trip where I was arriving home and not the first thing I was going to do was not just pass out for eighteen hours. Let's <laughs> see. Okay. Right. Okay. Like, here's what. Here's how I do road trips. I drive through the night. Mm-hmm. I arrive at eleven in the morning, mm-hmm. not having slept, and I sleep until the next morning. <laughs> That's how I do road trip. Got it. That's my preferred methodology. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I can see it though. I can kind of see it in the right circumstances. If you were being particularly persuasive, the thing that's interesting to me about your family is that you guys both seem to take as as like normal things that I could see someone persuading me of if they were particularly <laughs> charismatic, you know? But to you guys, it's both like, oh, yeah, duh. Let's just not unpack the car until That's we... That's funny. Yeah, it's, it's true. I th- like, I would have to be like... I would have to like make a $10 donation and have signed up for a mailing list before... <laughs> Something like that would happen. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say to that, Decole. But mm-hmm. in that way, like, we're so opposite in a lot of ways, but in that way, we're in, in the way that, like, we're, we're kind of weird, like, we do that. I don't know. That's yeah. similar. Well, I mean, the, the original story of yours about the iPad, the original, yeah, like, journey right. of buying the iPad Pro, that was my first, like, understanding that like you are married to the correct person yeah i think about that a good amount like if there's i take it for granted but i i sometimes i think like wait a minute 
what if I was married to somebody who didn't just like go with all of my like bullshit, you know, like mm-hmm. all the weird things and, and did a bunch of like eye rolling and was like, I mean, she definitely calls me out on how often I change my mind about everything in the world and don't even realize it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like, you know, if I, I could easily be like, yeah, Han, we should really, you know, I, I'm thinking we should, you know, give her some like spiel or something and she'll be in and she'll be yeah. more dedicated than me. And then mm. she'll carry me through and won't even remember that I started this initiative in your time of need. Yeah. So huh. anyway, did you yeah. listen to the latest full stack radio? No, you should listen to it. Okay. Um, it's called uh, React is not a Rails replacement or something. Mm. And it's uh, Adam and some guy from the React world who is also a Rails developer. You know who? No, it's off the top of my head. Um, it was a guy I had not heard of before, but I'll pull up his name so that we're doing our due diligence here. Um, but anyway, they're talking about the uh, the idea that it starts with an F, right? Full stack radio. Here we go. Um, yeah, I think it's an F. Okay, it's not the latest. It's 136. Michael Chan, React is not a Rails competitor. Okay. Um, but uh, they are talking about, you know, there's all these people who are talking about, like, building React applications, mm-hmm. like, as opposed to building Rails applications. <laughs> right. Or yeah. as opposed to building yeah, Laravel applications. Funny. As though they are not using a backend right you know and it it's like adam was basically like first of all is this happening like are people just making apps with only react and like if so how like is this all firebase or something mm-hmm. or like what what's going on here yeah um are there like people who are just react developers like what's going on and so like they talk about that. They talk about how like a, probably a lot of these people work in larger companies where there is a backend team that has made an API for them, mm-hmm. and they don't think of that as part of the application. Yeah, they think of that right. as the API, yes. which is I part think that's of the really common. Yeah. Um, it was a really good episode. I listened to it last night while I was huh. cooking. Um, and, metaphorically uh, but, or actually cooking? Uh, cooking in my kitchen. Okay. Making the fried rice. Um, but uh, there was a moment in there that I thought was really interesting um, and was kind of the, you know, I think I've been a little bit, it's been a long time since I've had like a, well, Caleb, what about this about why Livewire might be a bad thing? Mm, yeah. But I think I, I think I have one. Okay. And I know it's one that you've thought of, but I had forgotten about it for a while. Yeah, yeah. Which is... Um, the whole reason that this stuff got big, this React and Vue, SPAs, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Sure. Is because every business needs to have a mobile app almost exclusively. Mm, right? I don't know, man. And so I'll go with on. it for now. Wait, wait for it. And this is the thing, right? So you're, you're, you know how you're always saying like you're the normal, you're the average developer, right? <laughs> it's been a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am yeah, guilty. I think... I don't, is, I realize that is not an accurate statement. But this is the perfect timing to talk about this yeah. because GitHub, after being GitHub for how long? A million years. Right. And sending HTML rendered, rendered partials around. Yeah. Right. Okay. Just released a mobile app. Yes, they did. 
just now. Yeah. I want to know how they are doing stuff in that mobile app mm-hmm. because their whole API is based on creating HTML partials for their web app and sending them down. Yeah. Instead of creating structured data and sending it down and then letting the right. renderer do the rendering. Yep. Right? Yep. And so I wonder if they had to either A, build a whole separate API that serves the mobile app mm-hmm. that's different than the API that serves the web app. Yep. Or B, whether they did something on the back end to like, like maybe they, they're just yeah. using like accepts JSON or right. something yeah, exactly. to get like, like you a, know, in their controller, like, they check if it's like wants JSON or if it wants yeah. HTML partials. And so the, I totally forgot about like how, how everyone needs a mobile app. Right. And yeah. or not everyone, but like, you know, the, the small like indie solo founder companies that like we know the founders of. Yeah don't need mobile apps no nope. right but i would say a ton of companies do okay right? and i would say like those in companies employ more developers than all the other companies combined right we I, i'm not going to agree to any of this but i we can use it as like uh um what like a premise yeah and so i think it's i think it's just an interesting thing where it's like Say you're a company like this is the this is the I guess the question I would pose to you. Mm-hmm. Say I'm a guy, you know, I start a little thing, it becomes kind of popular, or I'm a company that has like a bunch of fifteen programmers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And like got this thing, I start pulling Livewire into my app and building and building and blah blah blah. Yeah. And instead of going the way of like having a JSON API that serves the data and getting and consuming it and blah 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 blah, mm-hmm. I just use Livewire components everywhere. Yeah, and then. I get my series A, I start getting money. There needs to be a app. Yeah. There needs to be a mobile app, right? The users are demanding it. Sure. Um, what, what route would you take at that point? I would explore the Basecamp hybrid app route. I knew you were going to say that. For That's sure. a terrible route. I don't know. I, okay. I all right. That. Well, I'll, 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 let's, I'll not go that route. Although let's I say web that, views are bad. That's what I would try though. Here's the reality. The reality yeah. is that this, oh man. The reality is that this whole like, we're going to need a mobile app is a myth. Come at me, bro. Somebody who's listening to this, who can tell me I'm wrong and who has ex- truly lived this experience. Well, no, but let's talk about GitHub, right? GitHub is a perfect example of doing the server rendered partials thing and yeah. needing a mobile app. Sure. So GitHub for how many years that has existed? Right. And, and how popular it's got. And they finally have a mobile app. Yeah. And here's the second part to my my strong statement is if you've been on if you've been a part of that, let's say you work at GitHub and you go, Oh, Caleb, he's you know, I'll to show him, I'll tell him, like, I work at GitHub. I wrote GitHub and now we need a mobile app. And now we're suffering because we went with PJAX for all these years. And if only we had went with Vue.js on the front end, we would have a clean API that we could just use for the mobile app. That's a myth. I really, I believe that this idea that one, you're going to need a mobile app and the fact Mm -hmm. that you make such crazy decisions based on that fact, that's not even a fact. And it's just some weird hunch that you have because people say it or because the stakeholders say, yeah, it would be great if we had a mobile app. Like who wouldn't say it would be great if we had a mobile app? It's one of those things that everybody always says. Anyway, if you get to that point, I don't think the fact that you have this API that your SPA Vue.js front end consumes 
is going to save the day. Like you're just going to be able to use it and be done with it. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't mm-hmm. think that's the case. I think mm-hmm. you're going to have an easier time building a Livewire app or a PJAX app or a vanilla blade HTML app going that direction. Then when you need to build a native app with a native team, maybe use React Native. I don't know, but build a native app with a native team. They need API endpoints. You serve those endpoints. You reuse the code from Livewire and the thing serving those API endpoints because your internal system still exists and you still have business logic internally. It's not like you hand wrote all your business logic in live wire methods, you know, mm-hmm. and then you, you cater to that front end because that front end has unique needs. I don't think that, that it's like that platform. Like when you go to like app HTTP, I don't think that it's like, Oh, app HTTP app, iOS app, Android. And it's like, you can just swap between them and your whole business domain works. You know what I mean? Or maybe that is the case. And that's the point is anyway, I'll, I'll calm down and, and let you speak. I got it. I got fired up because the amount of times before I even started Livewire that I would encounter this is just ridiculous. And I think it's one of those really common, just completely ill thought out statements. It's just um, hearsay or uh, I don't know. It's usually like never grounded in anything real or concrete. Okay. Hit me. Uh, I think that's hearsay. Okay. You saying it's hearsay is hearsay. Okay. Right? Yeah. It, 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 like, it serves your point better for what I said to not be true, and it serves my point better for it to be true, but you right. have no evidence that it's not true. Sure. I have no evidence that it is well, true. Well, I guess my evidence that it's not true is know, my experience, of course. Right. Your experience living in the and world the ex- of people who are PHP developers. But also PHP. the experience of, of things that I see and people I hear and, and people in my life who are in other ecosystems or in other areas which isn't a ton but there's a good amount you know i just yeah so you're right there i i am speaking from my experience which is limited for sure yeah it's like um well if you think about like ios developers or something right like they're out there just writing swift and objective c right yeah and like making ios apps yeah and i feel like there's a bunch of them who are like oh i don't need a back end you know i'll do everything in like in memory sqlite you know blah 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 like do I really need to make like users and authentication and blah, blah, blah. I can just store everything on the phone and then sync it to iCloud. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the, I, I think it's probably similar to them. The idea that someone would come along and be like, you need to have a backend. Like you, how can you do any logic about your data mm-hmm. without a backend? Mm-hmm. Right? Like how can you like do effective filtering and sorting and storing and sharing and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, well, I never need to do sharing. You know, the, this whole sharing thing, this whole like, you're going to need sharing is a myth, bro. You never need sharing, okay. right? Why would anyone ever build a back end for an app? Yeah. You know, when you could just build front end all day. Okay. Um, And I think just because there are a bunch of iOS apps that don't need like a back end, right? Mm-hmm. To do the thing that they do, like my whatever, like a, a solitaire app okay. doesn't need like a Laravel API behind it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think makes it like a ridiculous thing for a person to consider that they might need a backend, mm-hmm. right? As a mobile developer. In the same way, I think it's not at all ridiculous like as to a business. To consider that you might need a different founder. front end, yeah. To consider that you might need more than one front end. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. So let's let's say that premise that you might need more than one front end. Right. 
which we we can both agree on is the minority case in terms of like the apps that that you come across the apps that i come across for sure in your personal experience working in right, because, this ecosystem because the people who need more than one front end usually don't come to this ecosystem people who need more than one front end usually like so you know, possibly yes definitely sure you yeah that's well not definitely we the only thing we can say is definitely is our experience and our experience is both that this is we don't see it that way sure but let's say that the wider development world those companies they 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 know they need backends so they don't go with laravel or even rails they go with node or whatever to it's serve their node, json yeah. it, APIs. node and like graphql and yeah, all of for that sure. stuff they yeah. so so they do that and they build a react web front end and then yes. they build a mobile uh, front end. Do they yes. do it with React Native or let, so? Let's just say that they do it with uh, like they have a, a normal mobile team, like iOS. Yep, just like a iOS team, right? And then an Android team. I guess the big question I have that you know it could go either way. I have my own hunch, of course, but my mm-hmm. question is: in reality, how much is shared between those two front ends? Is it is the front end just a platform that you swap with the back end? Or is there lots of like, lots of differences where one feature is desktop only or something and they need a very specific set of data or need the data to be, you know, prepared in a specific way. So they have specific endpoints for that. Maybe a few shared endpoints. Um, Yeah. You know, and that's possible. But, but I guess what I think if I, if I had a, let's, let's say I had a Livewire app and I really needed to make a mobile app that depended on a JSON API. Mm-hmm. What would I do? So I guess the first thing is I would create a new API.php file and start writing endpoints and use a basic authentication system. And uh, and then those endpoints, I would serve the data that they need. And I would probably have all the stuff I need because I would just use the same code that's in the Livewire you know, actions and things. If there's like an update post Livewire action, I probably have like user colon colon update or a method or whatever so let's let's say like you have a live wire component that's like uh say it's like an algolia style like live search and filtering component yeah right um which is something that i think live wire would be pretty good for yeah right? yeah for sure um and it like updates the results in real time and blah blah blah, blah. um yeah so you build that in live wire right yeah and uh now it, now you're on a mobile team, right? And so you have your like live search and filtering live wire component. Yeah. And you want to duplicate that functionality in your mobile app. Yeah. Um, how would you do that? How would you go about that? So, so there's a spectrum. So I've thought about this and I've thought about doing a crazy thing. And I'll start, I'll lead with that. I've thought, okay, well, live wire takes in data via json mm-hmm. and it renders it and it processes that data and it rend it and it passes some data down to a view that then renders into html and html is the transport protocol sure because the templating is done there so what if i could cut it off before it does the templating because i still need okay. to send a request with data and yep. i want the i would need uh you know a response back i just don't need it to do the templating 
So can so, I like sneak in right before LiveWire does its templating and say, hey, just give me all the data that you're passing to that view, you know? Yeah. So use like a, a really headless LiveWire component, you know? So maybe I write an right, endpoint. Right, right, right. And I could, I mean, you could literally do this right now if you wanted. Um, you could just do like LiveWire colon colon mount and then pass in the name and the data, whatever. Mm-hmm. You could... I've like thought that it would be cool to toy with making live wire components serve both HTML and JavaScript or in JSON. Um, so I, I would at least start that down. That is like, a really s- like slick idea. Yeah. That's uh, like, I think there's potential there, but I can't, can't confirm nor deny, but you know, it's just like, I don't know. Like if your functional, if there's functionality that you want to not duplicate that already lives in a liveware component and it doesn't make sense to abstract it into some like popo or something, then use, you know, if it's the search component in the liveware component, it knows how to take data in it knows how to filter the model and it knows how to spit out a result set. So you just yeah. get the result set, you know? Interesting. So That's that, that would be fun. Caleb. The liveware. That's very interesting. Yeah. So I think the way you would architect this, right, is you would have like a sort of generic uh, renderer, livewire, com- like livewire renders, like, you know, like Blade compiler, right? Yeah. Like you would have like a livewire view compiler mm-hmm. um, and the default one would be the Blade compiler, but you would have an optional JSON compiler and mm-hmm. you could have, you could just build whatever onto there, right? Yep. Like you could build anything onto your compiler. Mm-hmm. Um, you could even theoretically like build. I wonder if you could do like server side rendered React Native components or something. Like you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. yeah. Like you could get really freaky with it. You know, if you had like custom renderers. Yeah, even if you had like, like instead of just a render method and a liveware component, you had like a two JSON method or something that, you know, like turned it into JSON. Like you could like show the two paths of rendering this component at its current state. It would be pretty freaking interesting because liveware components are stateful. That's the interesting thing. They're stateful yeah. and normal Ajax requests are stateless. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how that would translate. Caleb, I think we should stop talking about this. Yeah, I got to go, actually. I think we should stop talking about this because, you know, as we've said, we want to leave them wanting more. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure I'm going to think a lot about this, and I think you should think a lot about this. And then I think we should come back to this interesting topic yep. of, like, live wire component renderers. Yeah. I will say this as my my leaving, my, my final say, mm-hmm. that my stance is that people use this idea that they're going to need a mobile app to make their web app decision and mm-hmm. the it's like the what amount about the companies where they build the mobile app first though that's great oh what should they do i mean i'm yeah. st- i would still try with the web view as much as i could but you but, already have all these api endpoints and stuff oh if you already have all the api endpoints yeah because you built a mobile app you built a mobile app spend a week seeing how well it translates to to your desktop app spend a week building it in react and seeing if it works out if it feels like you're you know redoing all this stuff and making all this extra work then then don't you know but 
And it's possible that that's just not, you know, that's not the place for something like Livewire. It's an but. interesting question. It's an interesting question. I don't have an answer to it. But, but. I, I at least think that people shouldn't uh, make the decision solely based on if they'll need a mobile app or not. I think it's much more complex than that. And no, I would no, love I to hear either. I would love to hear a story of somebody who has had success using the same backend for both a web and mobile app and to really know what that world looks like. Like how much is truly shared, you know? Yeah. We got to get someone who's done that to talk to us. Yeah. They're all in node land. We got to go talk to node people. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I mean, I would love to know like the GitHub, the GitHub web. I would also love to node. <laughs> the GitHub web interface is like full fledged. It's GitHub. This mobile app is not, it's missing we a gotta ton get of features. From, Caleb, you've got people inside GitHub. Can you get, no, I only have a, one. I only know the sponsorship team a little bit. Yeah. But they got to know the app team. Aaron, um, Aaron uh, Tenderlove, Aaron Patterson, he left GitHub. It's like a big really? deal, like last really? week or something. He's like a Rails and I think Ruby core contributor. Anyway, um, Decole, this is a good conversation. If you know somebody who is on this GitHub iOS app team listener, yeah. you are honor bound to get them to contact yeah, us. Yeah, that's who we need to talk to is the people on that team. And we need to be like... yeah. What Did you shoot yourself in the foot with PJX? Yeah. Or was it a massive pain? Yep. And, and or was it that like that t- that iOS team didn't even get assembled until the make an API that's usable by a mobile app team finished their job, which took them seven years? What? I'm just saying possibly that iOS team was always blocked by this like make a usable api project gotcha right had been going on since forever yeah i mean the github api is already good like the yeah like i feel like i could make my own github uh app you know that actually does more than well there are a lot of github apps yeah i've never used any of them i did i've now i use the official one but there's so much it doesn't do i'm constantly just opening up the mobile version of the of the website so caleb Stop trying to make this podcast. Oh, end this freaking thing now. Cue cue the the outro music. Now.